Well, amen. How great is our God. If you have your Bible this morning, turn again to the book of Philippians with me. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. And I want to read to you verses 8 and 9 that we'll be thinking about together this morning. Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As an athlete and as a coach, I know that practice is something that is very important for that athlete to develop into the player that they so desire to be. And this doesn't happen overnight. Changes don't happen overnight for a player, for a team. It takes practice, practice, practice. And in those practices, it takes repetition after repetition after repetition until whatever it is that that coach is wanting for their player or for that team to develop in their life until it really becomes a habit for them. Also know that that means it is very important or just as important how that player practices. As you hear coaches say often that uh, you will play like you practice. And if someone is practicing something wrongly, then they will actually play and perform wrongly. This also means it is critically important what it is that that athlete is learning. Who it is that he or she is listening to. Influencing their life. Influencing how they're approaching this very task that they're trying to accomplish. What it is they're being told. What it is they're being taught. I bring that to your attention, beloved, because that's what we have here in these two verses that we read here in Philippians 4 and verse 8 and 9 where the Apostle Paul is talking about Standing firm in the Lord, growing stronger and stable in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Going back to verse 1 of chapter 4, this is the main thought that's been driving this entire series, going from verse 1 down to verse 9. Stand firm in the Lord. And notice again there in verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, that is finally, if you really want to stand firm in the Lord, if you're really wanting to be able to practice and to actually accomplish the things that I have shared with you from verses 1 through 7, finally, here it is, the things that you must be doing on a continual and consistent basis. When we look at verses 8 and 9 together, we have looked at them separately over the last couple of Sundays together. But today I want to bring them together because they are attached together here, verses 8 and 9. And what Paul is trying to teach the church at Philippi is that for us to be spiritually strong and growing in the Lord, 
stable in the Lord, it requires that you are you have the right training. And that's what we focused on last time together there in verse 9 where he says, practice these things. You must have the right training going on in your life. But for there to be the right training, it requires the right thinking and the right teaching. You cannot train yourself rightly in doing the things that God wants you to do. You cannot practice these things unless you have the right thinking and the right teaching in your heart and in your life. This is what must be developing in you. Now notice, if you will, we're going to start with the right thinking. And notice the connection. I want you to see the connection here in verse 8 and 9. Notice he says at the end of verse 8, dwell on these things. And then in verse 9 he says, practice these things. So a part of the things that you're supposed to be practicing are the things you're actually dwelling on, you're actually thinking on. So first, for you to be practicing the right things, it starts with having right thinking. The things as we talked about a couple of Sundays ago there in verse 8, dwelling, that is taking the time to actually really sit, think, contemplate, reason, consider, Setting your mind on. This is the way the Apostle Paul over in the book of Colossians says, set your mind on things above. This is where you spend your time disciplining your mind, thinking about the right things. Just think for an example. If we're so desiring, as I know we all do, if we're desiring to Live at peace with one another. As he says there in verse 2, live in harmony in the Lord. Well, beloved, if, if, if the two ladies there, Yodi and Syntyche, that are having problems with one another, if all they were doing is sitting around thinking about how the other person had, had harmed them or the, had offended them or, or whatever it is that was causing this conflict, if that's all they're doing is sitting around dwelling on those things, it's going to make it almost impossible for them to live in harmony with one another or to rejoice in the Lord always or to be anxious for nothing. If, if, if someone sits and dwells and just thinks about how difficult life is, or someone just sits and thinks about what may, might, might happen, that just leads to worry in their heart, worry in their life. And what Paul is saying to us here is that if we want to practice what is right, it starts with our thinking. Thinking rightly. That is, having your mind dwelling on the things that God would want our minds to be dwelling on. How do we need to do that? Well, we need to do that by stopping ourselves when we begin to have our minds drifting down uh, paths that doesn't need to drift down, we have to, we have to really stop rehearsing certain things in our mind, stop recalling certain things in our mind, 
Stop rehearsing it possibly with others. Replaying certain things in our mind over and over and over again, which can keep us just tied up in knots, keep us from rejoicing in the Lord, keep us from living in harmony with one another. But we have to do more than just stopping those things. We have to start and continue to feed our mind on the right things, and that's primarily feeding our mind on the things of God. Start recalling the promises that God has given us. Maybe you need to write down scripture, write it down on an index card, something that you can have there that you can actually pull out or maybe put it in your phone and, and, and have something that when you begin to drift off in your thinking, you can pull that out and read it and ask God, Lord, help me to keep my mind focused on the right things here. Memorizing Scripture. Just letting God's Word transform us on the, the inside. Remember what we're told over in, in 2 Timothy that all of Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. And one of the things it's profitable for is for training us in righteousness. Training us to do what is right. Training us to think rightly. But the change that we want to happen must start on the inside of us. As we behold the, the glory of Christ, as you take the time to, to consistently think about Jesus Christ and think about the salvation he's provided you, think about the person of Christ, the words of Christ, the ways of Christ, and as you're just thinking about these things and, and as we're disciplining our mind to do that, beloved, that begins to transform us on the inside. It begins to have an impact on our mind and our thinking, and as our mind and our thoughts are being impacted, it will be begin to have an impact on your heart, your affections, and it will have an impact on your will, on the things you will choose to do. It must start on the inside. Again, God's not just interested in our outward behavior. God's interested on what's taking place on the inside. He wants us doing things from the right heart, right motives, thinking rightly. Again, we know God's Word is able to get down the very depths of our soul. It is active and it's living, we're told in Hebrews 4.12, and it's able to get down into the very heart of who we are and expose us. And that's what we want. So, beloved, right training requires that it start with right thinking. And these are things that we personally all need to discipline ourselves to do in our own life and our own walk with the Lord. We must do this ourselves. And I highlight that for you because as we move into verse 9, we're now going to see that we have to go beyond that. Maybe for some of us here, we're real good at this. Maybe this is a strength of yours. You, you, you spend time 
regularly in God's word. You spend time regularly in prayer on your own with the Lord. You spend time regularly studying the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, thinking about the Bible. I mean, you, you really do this very well and you, you're strong at that and, and praise God for that. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's where you struggle. And this is where you need to focus some of your attention or a lot of your attention is disciplining your thinking by getting into God's word. But understand it's more than that as we come to verse 9. Because some of the things you're going to, supposed to be practicing, you're supposed to be training yourself in so that it becomes a habit for you, a way of life for you, are things that God's going to give you through other people. He's going to teach you through other people. Notice what he says there in verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. Now what you will notice there is all four of those activities that Paul is speaking about there, learning, receiving, hearing, and seeing, require other people to be involved in our life. It means we're all to be taught by others. You see, it does matter that you have right thinking, but it's just as important that you have right teaching taking place in your life. That you are being taught rightly. And let me just say this to help us in understanding this. That is this. We are all, every single one of us here in this room, we are all being taught in some form, some fashion, by someone else. And you, all of us, we are all in some form and fashion teaching others. We're all involved. We're all involved in being taught and we're all involved in teaching others. That is, we're all being instructed by others and we're all being influenced by others and all of us here are instructing and influencing other people in our lives. Thus, it matters. It matters what it is that you are being taught. And it matters what it is that you are teaching others. It matters. Now notice what Paul says here. He says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Now this is really two categories of learning that he, or teaching he's talking about here in verse 9. Learning and receiving go together. And what you heard and seen in me, those two go together. And here's what he's getting across to them. Here he's saying, this is how you are taught. You are taught, one, through instructions. By instructions, you are taught there through instructions. And we're going to see that's from the learning and the receiving. But secondly, he says, you're also taught by influence or by imitation, by the things that you hear and the things that you see. Now let's just start with right teaching requires right instructions taking place in your life from others. 
And there's two ways he speaks to that here in verse 9. When he says, you have learned and you have received. When he says, you have learned, he's saying, one of the ways you're to receive right instructions is through personal instruction. Personal instruction. And then when he says what it is you have received, he's saying through public instruction. Personal and public Let's look at the personal. He says there, the things you have learned. That is in verb form there, but in the noun form, that very word is the same word that we see translated over and over again in the New Testament as disciple. So what Paul is speaking about here is this personal, intimate discipleship that was taking place through the Apostle Paul with the people there at the church at Philippi and others. And he was saying the things that you are learning personally through discipleship relationships there in the body of Christ, you need to be practicing those things. Do those things. Remember Paul says of himself to the church at Ephesus over in Acts 20, 20 that he was going house to house ministering the word of God. But let me give you a good picture of why this is so important about who it is that is influencing or instructing you in your life in this personal matter. Go over with me for just a moment to the Gospel of Luke and go to Luke chapter 6 where our Lord Jesus is speaking. And he tells the people there of a parable and how important it is, one, that you're being discipled, but two, who it is that's discipling you. In Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 39, he says this, And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A people, and there it is, the same word, the same from the same root word that we're looking there in Philippians 4, 9, that Paul says you have learned. He says a disciple, a people, is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, who's he going to be like? He will be like his teacher. He's going to be like his teacher. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to them as Jesus was saying here to this crowd. It matters who it is and what it is that you are learning when you get in these personal, intimate relationships, these settings in your life. But it's important that they are happening. But it's important who it is that it is happening with. And beloved, these kind of relationships are happening in our lives. As parents, we have this kind of relationship and instruction in the life of our children. As grandparents, you have that kind of relationship and an impact on the life of your grandchildren. We have these kind of relationships as husbands and wives together where we are to be talking and, and ministering the gospel and the word of God to one another. Or maybe it's friend with friend that we have these types of relationships. But beloved, may I say to you, one of the primary avenues where this should be happening is in relationships in the church. In the church. Paul is saying the things that you have learned 
The things that you have learned through these personal, smaller, one-on-one or small group settings that they've gathered together. He says, these things that you're learning, you're being educated about from the Word of God. He's saying, practice those things. But first we have to ask ourselves, am I learning in this way? Am I being instructed in the Word of God in this way? It is critical that we are and that we do. And it is critical that if we're talking about learning, being discipled, and practicing those things, for it to really be biblical discipleship, it has to actually have the Bible as the heart and center of it. The Bible. And by that, that doesn't mean necessarily there has to be a formal Bible study that is happening, but that as we are instructing and as we're being instructed by others that it is the scriptures, it is the principles, the teachings of the word of God that is being communicated, that we're learning. We could go over to the book of Titus. In the book of Titus, Paul was instructing Titus, Titus, go back to all these churches in the area of Crete. And when you get there, the first thing he wanted Titus to do is establish godly, qualified leadership there in every one of those churches. But then after that, he says, but after that, Titus, teach the people how to live. And he says, here's what I want. I want the older men to disciple the younger men in the church. And I want the older women to disciple the younger women in the church. And if they try to get around this, Titus, don't let them do it. You tell them to do this because this is so important in the design of the body of Christ from one generation to the next generation of teaching them the word of God. Learning in this fashion. Being discipled in this fashion. These are things that we are to practice. The things that we're learning. Personal instruction. But now notice, Paul also says, the things that you have received, the things you have received, practice those things as well. Train yourself to do those things as well. What does he mean by the things you have received? Well, that word there for received is really a technical term that Paul uses often. And what he's speaking about there is the receiving of the word of God. And he's primarily speaking about the public proclamation, the public preaching of the word of God. Practice the things that you are now being publicly instructed from the word of God about. Let me just show you that. Turn with me over to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 for just a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And notice what he says there, 1 Thessalonians 2. Look with me beginning in verse 13. Just look at verse 13 for a moment. He says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you, and there's the word, you receive, 
What is it they received? They received the word of God, which you heard from us. That is, when we came and preached the gospel to you, and we preached the whole counsel of God's word to you, when we preached the word of God, you received it. You welcomed it into your heart. You welcomed it into your life. You accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. You see? So this receiving is the receiving of the proclaiming of the word of God. Look with me for a moment. Stay in 1 Thessalonians. Go over to chapter 4. And notice what Paul says there in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive, there it is again, they receive the word of God. He gets more specific here. You receive from us instructions on how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk that you excel still more. Paul is reminding them, we're requesting, we're exhorting you that just as you receive through the preaching of the word of God about how it is you're supposed to live your life, he says, now go do it. What it is you're receiving through the preaching of the public word of God, actually live it out. And actually, he says here in verse 1 of chapter 4 to the church at Thessalonians, he says, you're actually doing it. I just want you to excel even more at it. We, you received this because we taught you this, and you've been doing it, but I want you to do it even more. Get better at it. Don't become complacent. Don't be content where you are in your walk with the Lord. Have this desire to grow even more and more in Christ. One other place to show you this, go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says there in verse 6, Now we command you, brethren... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, it, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition. And by tradition there, he doesn't mean uh, the, the traditions of men. By tradition, he's speaking about the word of God there. That as you receive the tradition which you received from us. He's saying, now I want you to go and practice and hold each other accountable to actually live what it is that you technically received from us. We instructed you on how to live, and we expect you to do it. We expect you to live it. You say, well, what if somebody doesn't want to live it? And that's what he says there. Keep away from that brother. Help them to see this. You're, you're, you're trying to get them to understand the importance of actually living out the Word of God. That's why he says down at the end, we, we spoke about it, I think, last Sunday, down in verse 14, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. Do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. But don't regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. As a brother. Beloved, the point of what I'm trying to drive home for us this morning is we all, all of us, 
need to be consistently as a practice building into our lives a receiving of the Word of God. You practice what you receive, but you have to receive it. That is, practically speaking, beloved, just to get down to the heart of it, you have to build into your life the priority of coming to hear the Word of God, the sitting under the public proclamation of the Scriptures. A person can't practice what they don't hear, what they're not receiving. Each of us need this. I need this. I listen to preaching throughout the week. Listening to the Word of God. Receiving what God's Word is being said and taught from the pulpit. Each of us need to be, yes, personally thinking, dwelling, meditating, memorizing, writing down Scripture, spending time on our our own with the Lord, spending time personally every day in the Word of God, praying, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, thinking on the Word of God. But that's not enough. That's That's not enough. That's not the way God's designed the Christian life. He's designed it to be live among God's people. And remember, God has gifted all of us. So we need each one of us here to be a part of the body of Christ and using the gifts that God has given us. Thus we must continually be placing ourselves under the proclamation of the Word of God to receive it. And then to live it, to do what it is that God's Word says we should do. I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy. When Paul sent Timothy to the church at Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus was, when Timothy gets there, this is a well-established church. And this is a church that already is set in somewhat in its ways and the way it was doing some things and, and Timothy's walking into this situation that is there and, and, and Timothy, Paul's reminding Timothy, Timothy, the main thing you better make sure you give yourself uh, attention to doing is the actual preaching of the Word of God. Keep preaching God's Word. Give attention to this. That is, make it the priority of your life, the priority of your ministry, Timothy, while you're there. And one of the reasons why that is, that Paul told that to Timothy, he says because of the, the, the dangers of the season in which you're living. It is a dangerous time. And the different things that are coming at God's people to make sure that they are growing. That's why he says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, without self-control, haters of good, brutal, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. It's as though the Apostle Paul said 
Here are the headlines of 2019 in America. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, though you're living in those days, just keep preaching the Word of God. You see, beloved, what I'm trying to get across to you is, is that as the times and seasons in which we live, there is a temptation in our own life personally, there's temptation even for churches to say, we need less preaching or I need less preaching, but what God is actually saying is, no, you need more. You need more and more of this. Keep preaching the Word. Keep receiving the Word. Because it is the Word that what sanctifies us. It is the Word that sets us apart in Christ. And he told Timothy that when you do this, you do it with great patience and instruction. Great patience. Be patient, Timothy. Be patient, because change doesn't happen overnight. Things will move slowly, typically. So just keep being patient and patient with the Word of God. But beloved, my encouragement to you this morning is this, that you examine your own heart and your own life and your own commitment to the receiving of the Word of God through the public proclamation of the Word of God. Practice those things that you're learning. But now let's go back and let's finish this up together in Philippians 4, 9. Because I noticed I said he did, we learn not just through instruction, but we learn also and we're taught also by influence imitating of others. And this is what Paul is speaking about there when he says, the things that you have heard. Now what he means there by heard, he's not talking about what you heard through the preaching of the Word of God. And he's not talking there about the things that you have heard through the discipleship relationships that you've had in the body of Christ. He's saying there that you also are to be practicing the things that you hear about me. The things that you hear about me. Notice he says, the things you have heard and seen in me. Which is a reminder of something we all know, and that is we don't just learn by the things that are taught, but we learn by things that we catch from others. Those things that are caught from others. The things he says that you have heard about me practice these things. Now we know the church at Philippi is going to be hearing from Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was the messenger sent from the church at Philippi to Paul and then he got sick and they got concerned about him. So Paul sent him back, most likely with this letter that he's delivering to them, he sent him back to the church at Philippi and they would be able to hear, how's Paul doing? What's going on? And Epaphroditus would be able to explain to them that the patience of Paul, that the focus of Paul on the gospel, how he's ministering the gospel there while he's in prison. There's people getting saved in Caesar's household 
and how Paul is withstanding the, the personal attacks that are coming from these fellow preachers outside of the prison that are doing these things to bring distress in his life and how Paul is not worried about those things and he's rejoicing in the face of all the things that he's ha that's happening in his life and Paul is saying to them as you hear these reports about me practice those things too you recall what he said about himself and about what it is that they had heard back in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 30 he says you're experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me now you're hearing about some of the conflict that I'm experiencing and Paul is telling them practice that practice that the things that will be reported about me do those things as well. So let me ask you a question. As I said to you in the beginning of this message, we're all being influenced by others. Okay, we're, we're all being influenced by others. We're also all influencing others. So what would be the report about you? If someone was to say, if we were to go into your home and do an interview, what would be the report? If we would go to your workplace and ask an interview and for references there, what would be the report about you and your walk with the Lord and how you're influencing others? If we were to go and do a survey of the people here in the church about your here in the church and your role as a member of the church, what would be the report? Would you want to say, I want everybody else to be under my influence. I want them to, I want them to practice what I do. I want them to practice that. That's what Paul is saying. And Paul has said that in other places where he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And it's not that Paul was a perfect man. He wasn't. Paul struggled with sin. But again, Paul is saying to them, look around you. The things you hear about others and that is good and right, he's saying practice those things as well. By the imitation, the influence of others in your life. But notice something else real quickly. It wasn't just the things that they heard, but he says the things that you've seen in me. The things that you've actually observed with your own eyes. The things that you, you see in me, the gentleness, my patience, my affection for the Lord Jesus Christ, my trust in God, my endurance, my focus on the gospel. Remember what he said back in chapter 3, verse 17, brethren, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Look around at the people around you and those that are doing it right and living it right and have the right priorities and going. He says, look at those people and then he says, now follow them. Let them influence your life. Live for them. That's why I say to you again, we're all influencing other people in some form or fashion. And Paul has had this in his life. He has done this for others. He has especially done this for the young man, Timothy. 
And whenever he sent Timothy to the church there at Ephesus, over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, show yourself an example for others. You, Timothy, be an example in your faithfulness. You be an example in your conduct. You be an example in your words and your speech. You be an example for the church, Timothy. Show yourself an example because you want to have an influence on other people around you. An influence towards godliness. An influence towards Christ-likeness. And that is what Timothy had had for himself, even with the Apostle Paul. Do you remember this, what Paul said to Timothy? Listen to this in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 10. He says, now you followed my teaching. You followed my conduct. You followed my purpose, my faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. He says, you follow this. And then he says down in verse 14, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Timothy, you have learned from me in personal settings, but also you have been influenced by me because you've been able to sit here and watch me Minister the gospel. You've been able to watch me in my life and how I've conducted myself. I have stayed true to the word of God and my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my teaching. You have been able to hear it and observe it with your own eyes. And he says, these things that you've learned from me, continue in those things, live those things, do those things. Let's say it's not just what is taught, but it's what is caught from others. We see this in our lives. We've all seen, whether it's our own kids or grandkids, or we've seen other children uh, as well, and, and uh, not just that they, they look like their, their, their parents, but you see the little boy who walks around and has the same um, gestures, the same inflections in their voice, they have some of the same actions and habits. And where did they? It's not that their daddy taught them that thing. He said, "Son, let me let me show you how to how to do this." It's just they just sat there and watched them and watched them, and they were influenced by it. And now that's how they do it. And that's all he's saying here is in the church, we want the same thing happening, but it has to be right teaching going on, right thinking going on. And the whole purpose of this, and let me go back, and let's go back, and let's just make sure we understand this in Philippians 4. Here is the so that, the so that of this message, of this sermon. You and I, we both, we need to have right thinking and right teaching going on in our life so that we will have right training going on in our life. It's all for the purpose there in verse 9 of practicing these things. Practice them. Do them. We all have to begin to work these things out. And let me just close with these scriptures. I want you to turn with me for just a moment. Go back to Psalm 119. 
And just think about it in this way. Psalm 119, this is a psalm that gives, I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, but Psalm 119 really, each section begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet because it's all about the Word of God. And in Psalm 119, I want you to just look just at three verses here. Verse 33 through 35. And I want you to notice, first off, what the psalmist is asking for. He's asking to be taught and to understand the Word of God. But notice, read through the whole verse. There's a purpose behind it. It's not just for knowledge's sake. He isn't saying, just teach me, Lord. Help me understand, Lord, just so I have more knowledge in my head. It's so that he could actually begin to live it. Notice verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. He's saying, Lord, would you teach me your word? Would you give me understanding of your word? Would you make me, notice he's getting stronger, teach me, give me, Lord, just make me walk in the path of your commandments. That's why I want this understanding, Lord. Lord, would you teach me the Word of God? Would you give me greater insights into the Word of God? Not so that I can debate other people. It's so that I can live it. I want to be more like Christ. Lord, don't help me. Please help me that I won't stop. Don't stop until I'm actually practicing and living what it is that I'm learning. Lord, don't let me settle just for the knowledge of it. Lord, don't let me settle just for hearing it, receiving it. Don't let me settle just for learning it. Lord, let me practice these things. Lord, make me walk in your path. Do whatever you have to do to where this becomes a part of who I am. Don't let me give up. Don't let me walk away. Don't let me settle until this has become a part of me. Don't let me stop. This is what this psalmist is crying out. And beloved, that should be our response to what Paul says there in Psalm 4, I mean Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Lord, don't let me stop until I practice these things. Until I actually do these things. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.